if he's just floating this to keep the peace? Mm -hmm. What if there was a power sharing situation? Power sharing. You all were in charge equally, but no major decisions can be made without a majority or two. What the fuck? Hey, this way you're not such a big target for the feds. Three of the other families have this kind of arrangement. What's this, the fucking UN now? I forget it. Forget I said it. Fuck that. Fuck that indeed. Now, I almost wanted to use a different scene to open the show, but you don't want the show opening with me crying. So first we'll get to that scene. But yes, welcome to Cut to Black, a Sopranos sit down. I'm Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every episode of The Sopranos. I'm Jacob Burrows, and I've seen 55 episodes of The Sopranos. And yeah, I'm going to, I'll hazard a guess at what scene, but I'll keep it in my mind. And when we get to it, you let me know. Uh, this episode is titled, Where's Johnny? And uh, I wonder who made it. This was written by Michael Caleo, which I looked up, and he. this is the only episode of Sopranos he's written. He did work as a story editor on a few other episodes. Uh, and it was directed by John Patterson, which is a Sopranos mainstay. Uh, and it, again, this also aired 15 years ago. Uh, I, I did not realize this till just now, but it's the only episode of the entire series in which Edie Falco does not appear. Yes, I also saw that uh, opening up the information we have in our database that we've mm -hmm. compiled on Sopranos uh, data that we put together. No one else has access to because we're experts to take our job seriously. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a spoiler because I'm like, oh, I guess she doesn't die then. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. I, I guess I know that now, kind of. Unless she's a ghost, you never know. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we're trekking right along with uh, season five. Um, so this uh, episode picks up right at the Bing with uh, Tony Soprano. Tony B shows up. He's doing pickups and drop offs. I guess with like linens or something or other that he's doing. I guess yes. he didn't get fired uh, with the cliffhanger from last episode when his boss was mad <laughs> and Tony said, "Ah, fire him for all I care." Uh, yeah, and we get a little bit more of the backstory here. Uh, with the with the two Tonys, uh, Tony Uncle Al and Tony Uncle Johnny, because Tony tells the story that what he got jumped the night of the heist, and that's why he couldn't make it. And then Tony B got arrested and went away for a while. Yeah, I I, I didn't I I'll be honest, I didn't really like this scene. I, it felt a bit clunky to me the way yeah. they were sort of giving out this information, talking about stuff they both knew at each other. Like yeah. it's like yeah, if, if you're both aware of that, why would you? What like Tony kind of goes like, "Come on, I was jumped." You know, I like we both as we both know, and it's kind of like just delivering the information to us. Kind of makes me feel like he wasn't jumped. Uh, like <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna be a reveal later, but uh, but yeah, they're talking about the night of the high. Jack and they're like oh yeah we both know I got 16 stitches a couple of goons jumped me I couldn't go but uh, yeah so I, it, I wasn't thrilled with this one yeah it's interesting because it feels like it would have played more naturally in the previous episode when they have like their you know little talk where even Tony B says hey maybe if things would have went differently it just seemed like yeah. a little it would have been a little bit more graceful placement of this information but you know, I guess they, you know, they didn't want to get too into that uh, to d detract from the storyline of that episode, I guess. So they kind of drop it here at the beginning. And it is really awkward because then it immediately cuts to Tony B and Feech after they've had lunch. So it is an awkward yeah. like we just see Tony B in this other scene working. 
I mean, yeah, we can fill in the blanks. It's later in the day, but it's like uh, it does feel like they dropped this scene in. Uh, now we have Feach yeah. and Tony B after lunch, and Feach is almost about to talk about the boy king, as they call Tony Soprano. Maybe you know he's looking for an in. Maybe he can confide into Tony B some of his qualms he has uh, with dealing with Tony. Uh, meanwhile, whether they're still talking about Tony B's trying to stay a civilian. Yeah, exactly. And we get to him pulling up to some landscaping thing. You know, they're they're cutting grass, and he says, "I gotta make a stop." And he goes up and starts telling this uh, this guy what's what, beats the shit out of him. Uh, but it, it, like they explained through the episode, it's like this wasn't a thing before. He's like making it a thing, but I guess the key to starting a thing like this is to go and act like it's already a thing. Like the fuck you doing? This has been my nephew's area forever. And he's like, yes. but I worked here for twenty six <laughs> years. It's like, oh well, I'm gonna break your fucking arm then. <laughs> well, that's one of the greatest, like, kind of I guess reveals in a weird way because later on when we see the Lamana landscaping the the guys like the guy working not even features like hey you know we got to start somewhere and it's like but features already <laughs> acting like you know my nephew runs this neighborhood and i just love the little yeah. details of like we've see feach at some other business uh which i do, it's like almost like a sweatshop but I, is that the bakery? Because I feel like you just—I feel like it looks almost like a weird sweatshop. But maybe it was. Because I was gonna say it feels like he's at one business. Then we see he's got a bakery. Then he's got this landscaping <laughs> business. Like he's got all this Lamana business everywhere. Meanwhile, we've only been hearing about his card game. We didn't know this guy's got all kinds of shit. <laughs> True. I mean, I, I think it is his bakery, but we'll we'll take a look yeah, at it, it when might, we're there. Yeah, it uh, might be. But he, he does mention in the car, like, yeah, of course you should keep your linen business or whatever as a front, like <laughs> I do with the bakery. Okay. And it feels like there is a risk of that happening, just, you know, old dogs, new tricks. He's had a lot of time to practice this whole massage trick, but uh, who knows about the old tricks? Those might uh, be coming out. We'll see. Uh, he does grab him by the dick and pull him yes. to the curb and, like, stomp his arm. It's pretty brutal. And it makes me kind of believe his seemingly fake story about when he first arrived in the clink and I beat up the biggest guy i kind of hate this character i kind of hate feature just as a character because yeah. he's always like at at a 10 he's kind of too like cliche mob character in a movie um in comparison to what but the he's sopranos old school, does but he's old school he's I, from the old way of doing you stuff. know he who's know any better you know who's old school richie april <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, Janice. I'm old school. Uh, but because Feach is always, because even later on with Polly, it's always like, whatever ain't yours is everyone else's. Blah. Like he's always yelling. He's always fucking. And, and I, maybe it's just Robert Loja, the way he's acting. And I feel like, uh, you know, we hardly say anything negative about The Sopranos. It's such a great show. But I feel like almost they would let the, that Robert Loja like maybe kind of uh, do his own thing. Cause I feel like that's clearly like a lot of respect with like the creators and the writers and everything. And this guy's just going over the top and they're allowing it. Maybe it's what they're going for. I don't know. I'm kind of critical of this character. That makes sense. Uh, when he's beating him up, I can see it as him letting out steam, letting off aggression. Like he hit the road coming out of, uh, coming out of the clink at like a hundred, 110. Um, when he's yelling at Polly, it is like if that scene had been, 
I guess they want to show he's very explosive. I haven't had as much of a problem with it, but I can see where you're coming from. They could have played that scene, him delivering that, like, stone face, cold, like, whatever isn't yours is fucking anybody's or whatever. And it almost would have been more, uh, you know, more scary than it is because he's really like, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, that's also a great contrast with uh, Tony B in a way. So, uh, so yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I do like just the quick line because when Tony B finally interferes, he's like, Jesus, we're on parole. <laughs> and yeah. It's like, yeah, he's fucking breaking a guy's arm, beating him up, grabbing him by his dick, uh, going nuts. But this episode has two of my favorite scenes in all of Sopranos history. We're about to come up on uh, the first one here is when Uncle Junior sees Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like, I wanted to tell you about this scene so long ago. Like, I've been itching for you to see this scene because it's one of my favorite things that he sees Larry David and Jeff Garland on TV and he thinks it's him and Bobby. It's such a great gag and it's such a great HBO, like, weird little crossover. It's It's so awesome. Yeah, like they had Band of Brothers last episode, they <laughs> yeah. have uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm here. And he's talking about how his trial is on TV, and it, it's it's hilarious, and it's weird. I mean, it's sad, like, yeah. like a lot of stuff for this episode. But but it's like, because he has been on TV a lot with the trial and the, like, the, pay, the drawing of him from the trial and all <laughs> that. So he's seeing that, and he thinks that he, that's him, but they're arguing about like a doll or something. And he's just there like, that's Bobby the fuck is this like he's totally freaked out by it and uh yeah it's it's really uh fantastic and it's one of my favorite curb uh episodes as well it's the one with the judy doll and you know they're like in jeff garland's daughter's room because they need a replacement doll because he he uh helped the little girl cut her doll's hair and then she cried to her mother because she didn't he didn't tell her that it wouldn't grow back (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then Judy dolls are yeah. rare and then he steals the head and he has it in his pants and you know it's the whole Kirby enthusiasm thing but great uh, episode choice great scene to yeah it's funny but yes it's it's heartbreaking as well uh, with Junior and, and the way uh, Dominic Chanese I believe you pronounce his name the way he plays this whole episode of like you know confusion slash like then like embarrassed as well that he, he you know his mind's not right and then just heartbreak like yep. it's all great stuff yeah yeah so uh then we have bobby coming to petition the king um he he comes in and talks about how he wants more of a chance to earn and you know he he's spending a lot of time looking after junior and uh, uh tony says well yeah but you're like the one guy i can trust to look after him and make sure nothing happens to him bobby um uh, but he does say like all right you know fair enough you you're a bit higher up you shouldn't be dealing with all of this nonsense maybe we'll make sure you can make some collections uh and as we figure out later uh or as tony tells us this is clearly just janice with her manipulative scheming yeah. ways again like pushing bobby towards this he would never have arrived at this on his own but there you go well and um Ah, I got to bring it up. I feel like this is yet another Kirby enthusiasm reference in this next scene because Bobby is wearing uh, the shirt. Let me pull. I'll pull up a screen grab real quick uh, here on our YouTube. Uh, if you watch the episode, you know he's got a shirt that's like black with like white yep. on on each end. Um, mm-hmm. Hold on. Well, let me just pull it up real quick. I should have had this ready. I apologize. Uh, Okay, here it is. Okay, yeah, here it is. So, let me pull it up here in the video. 
This is yeah. uh oh, let me kind of uh, This is what he's so, wearing here. You you see it on the screen. Yes. He's wearing the black shirt. It's got the two like the white part on it there. But then mm-hmm. when we go to uh Larry David in the episode Chet shirt, do you see the shirt that Larry David's wearing? Yes, it's very similar, but that is a different uh, episode, right? It's not the one he's wearing in the episode, or is he wearing No, you're right. It is a different episode, but it's the focus of that episode is the shirt. Uh, Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) I mean, it's it's very similar. If you're on the podcast, uh, just go to our YouTube. It's youtube.com slash shows what you know. I yeah. think uh, I think that's what it is, yeah. and uh, you'll see the uh, image there of Larry uh, wearing this exact shirt. I mean, the color is proportioned a bit differently. Yes, um, yeah, it is a little it, different on the proportions. But I think that's literally because it's a bigger size for Bobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the reason, um, and I think you're totally right. Because look at the collar. Yeah, look at the buttons and the placements. Uh, I I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> it feels like because it's like the next scene, like right after they had the curb gag. I feel like maybe yep. even if the even if it was just like the you know whoever d- the designer or something was like ah oh, I'll throw this little gag in and no one else picked up on it. But I think I picked up on it. But I'm I sorry. I don't mean to harp on. <laughs> I know we're not doing a Kirby enthusiasm podcast. I apologize. Just want to call yet. that out real quick. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, and I I like that it is a later reveal like. I should. I wasn't even picking up on it at the time that what the way Bobby goes in is kind of asking. He wants to earn more uh, because it's funny because he's like, you know, now I got Janice and the kids, and it's like, well, you had a wife and kids always, so <laughs> it's not like it's <laughs> yes. that different. Uh, but and what you know, she's prone to sleep. She's prone to depression. She sleeps a lot, which I do believe. I mean, obviously, the Soprano children uh, are prone to depression, but. When Jan- when yeah. it comes up with Janice, you have to feel like there's there's ulterior motives going on. Mm, could be. Um, so we do have Paulie showing up with his mother to his aunt's place. I guess is that his a relative of his? Yeah, he's with and, his mom uh, at his aunt's. Yeah, and the the yard is overgrown, and we get to hear that you know the, the he gets to hear the whole story. He kind of puts two and two together. Says, oh, "I'm going to straighten all this out. Piece of cake, no problem at all." Yeah, the Salvitro. He's such a nice man. He always brought my garbage out whenever he uh, mowed my lawn. I mean, Salvitro does sound like a great guy. It's yet another poor innocent that is yeah. trampled <laughs> over by these people. But even even worse than, say, um, what was it, like Sal the Adjuster? Not Sal the Adjuster. I forget, whatever the Adjuster guy, guy was that they had to beat oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but at least he was uh, kind of doing underground de- like underhanded deals for the mob so the the, the appraiser the appraiser yeah, praising yeah. houses yeah. yeah he at least was involved salvitro just happened to be there and i mean i was reading about this in the soprano session like it's a, it's a great detail like it just so happens salvitro was mowing a lawn when feats drove by and feats was like hey mowing lawns eh <laughs> as a business <laughs> true uh but yeah this sets up uh you know Polly and Feach but I believe before that we do check in with uh, with Lorraine Lorraine and her yeah. muscle Jason again she's going to collect uh she says the n-word at one point uh because she has to you know push her power as a woman and they're trying to give her a light envelope so they don't want to have that 
Yeah, this seems fucked up. Because, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, one of these... This guy with the white hair, he's one of them who, who got out, right? He's he's the one who was there yes. last episode at yeah. the funeral. And we're like, oh, yeah. So he's he's fresh out of the can. Lorraine's been out, we think, probably. Um, and what's happening here is that Johnny Sack and Carmine, they're, they both want money kicked up to them. And she's been kicking up to, to Carmine, little Carmine. Because uh, they're old friends or whatever. And uh, Johnny Sack doesn't like that. And I really thought they were going to kill her. Like, <laughs> even yeah. though I was like, well, not, wait, do you have to kill the bartender now? How does this work? Yeah. But it's a it's a warning. It's a thick enough book. I, I don't know. Do you, I read it as they knew it wasn't going to go through the book. But I don't know. What do you think? I read it as they knew. Because I think that's why he didn't care that it was in front of the bartender. Even though it's yeah. still pushing it. But yeah, it's like, ah, you lucky bitch. It only got to the R's or whatever. And, you know, we're seeing this is the fallout because she's still kicking up to little Carmine, but Johnny's trying to nip this in the bud and fill the power vacuum. Now, what I also read in um, the Soprano session, and I I guess there's stuff to back this up, is that this character was styled to look like a a TV critic, uh, Linda Stassi. Is it Linda Stassi? What? Um, Okay. Because she, uh, yeah, Linda Stassi, she wrote for the New York Daily News. Her, she had a lot of complaints about season four that it didn't have like high violence or like like a body count. And that's why there's like a line okay. where Johnny Sack's like, you know, fuck Lorraine. She's always like, whack this, whack that. Always going to let her to get a piece of her own medicine. So it is like this bizarre shot at a critic, I guess, who is critical of the of the show. But they do have to throw in the part where, yeah, she's ready to suck their cocks to not die. Yeah. That's fucking bananas if that's accurate. Like, that's in the Soprano sessions. Is that like David Chase saying that? Or like, what's the basis for that in the book? Um, I mean, they just it's just written in the breakdown of this episode. They And they say it's a meta joke that's gone too, that went too far. Like, they call out the scene here where like they almost kill her. But I mean, I, they don't really have like a footnote for it. It just kind of says, it kind of talks about like it's kind of, you know, common knowledge, I guess. Right. Well, uh, it's not in our database, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was written uh, by Matt Zoller, and, uh, Sice, and Alan Sepinwall. Alan Sepinwall also did a Breaking Bad book, so he is like a respected writer, so I assume it's backed up somewhat. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure I, it It just sounds bananas, because I was... It, it does... I don't know. This is a weird one. This <laughs> yeah. is uh, really, this is really uh, meta, because first right? I was like... If they'd done this and it was a critic who didn't like The Sopranos, that would have been fucking mental. If they were just like, what? You don't like The Sopranos? Now we're going to kill you in our show. But if it's someone who's like, oh, yeah, no, I, I think it could have done with more violence. And then you almost kill them in your show. And they they call it out as well. Yes, that makes sense. At the same time, that line where they're like, oh, it's never enough of a body count for Lorraine. I, th- I almost thought that was like, okay, so that kind of almost justifies the way they're doing this. If she's going around murdering people left and right. But then it's a meta joke as well. This is the part that makes my head hurt. Uh, but I, it's not in a bad way, necessarily. Well, let me see here. Um, okay, yeah, I guess there is an Esquire interview where they kind of talk about it here. Uh, let me pull it up, make sure there's no other spoilers that I'd be talking about. Um, yeah, I was trying to, find, um, he says trying to find a picture of her, see ab- if how similar they were. About Lorraine Caluso, she's styled in a very particular way. Um, and there's a scene outside Chase Stadium parking lot where Johnny complains to Tony, all she ever wanted is whack, 
whack this, whack that. And at the time, there was some speculation that she was specifically modeled off of Linda Stassi, the TV critic at the New York Post, who had written a screed at the end of season four about how the show wasn't violent enough for her anymore. And David Chase says, yeah, I remember being really angry at it. I thought it was a stupid <laughs> comment. What did happen before that was that Stassi came in to read for a part. I never should have agreed to it. She read, didn't get the part, and then she turned negative after that. Oh, so there's even weird, even a weirder undertone that wow. she tried to be on the show, uh, and they turned her down. Um, huh. How do you spell her surname? I want to find a pick. Uh, S-T-A-S-I. Thank you. Uh, there was one woman okay. writer back then who was saying, whack somebody, whack somebody for God's sake. So this, oh uh, yeah, so yeah, I don't want to read for because I think they get into spoilers here. But yeah, I mean, I guess he kind of addresses it. He, I don't know if he fully says it was modeled after her, but yeah, he kind of does address it a little bit. Interesting. Yeah, then I wanted to, I, I just wanted to pull up the, uh, let's see, the the IMDb on her. If she came in and read for a part. Uh, oh yeah, has she been on other shows? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she was in American Cannibal, The Road to Reality. No, she's as herself in all of these. Oh, she's in one thing in 94. So, But she didn't get the part, I guess. Did, was she just a critic and they were like, yeah, come read for this part. And then she didn't like the show anymore? This is bananas. <laughs> Isn't this, yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, well, if you have any more insight on this, please do email us at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. Uh, we don't have time to research this fully, but this feels like a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode behind the scenes as well about, like, we got to give her at least a bit part so she won't give us bad reviews. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to put her on my show. She keeps saying it's not violent enough. What if we put her in and then kill her? <laughs> Everyone wins. You get to yeah, that'll direct show her. her dying. Yeah, here's her violent um, scene, you dying on a show you like. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so this brings us to the next scene, which is a sort of meeting here with Lorraine and Tony and Junior and this other guy who I don't remember. Oh, he was uh, he was um, Carmine, big Carmine, not little Carmine's uh, consigliere. Yes, um, he's. Uh, they yeah. dropped him in. He was one of the guys that was also just recently released from jail. Uh, with Tony B and Phil Leotardo. They showed him on the news, and then they dropped him in the scene. He's there when um, Carmine has his stroke, when they're like at the country club or whatever. That's right. And uh, Tony pitches his idea of a triumvirate to split the power between the three of them, uh, which I, I don't know if he thinks this is going to work, but I, I guess... It's kind of hard to, to suss out his thoughts and feelings through the episode on what's going on. But either way, he tries to sell this guy who's out of the game. Maybe he has his own massage plans, uh, but he's out of the game. And he, he Tony just wants to pull him back in. Well, and there's that great moment, too, where he's an old man rambling and they're annoyed by it. So yeah. it's just like the Sopranos is good at like having the old characters do old things, uh, whether it be... Uh, Polly's mom and her cohorts or Livia Soprano or as we see with Junior and then like I don't know if it's just kind of another uh, allusion to like what Junior's going through uh, but he like Tony's like uh, okay so anyways like they have to like cut him off as he's in his story yeah. about his grandson um, yeah, but yeah this is where Junior go- goes uh, f- he never had the makings of a varsity athlete for the yes. first time there in the episode Um and, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think they say, like, what? Yeah, well, the Sopranos have two bosses. And it's, like, everyone, I guess, kind of thinks that. And the thing is, 
by I think that's later in the episode that Junior says that about Feech coming to see him or whatever. I'm still the boss of this family, no yeah. matter how things are arranged. But it's like clearly not the case, and it's interesting that people will, you know, in New York still. they still think that's the case. So maybe yeah. that helps with the uh, the FBI thinking that's the case as well. But then they can't pin anything on Junior yeah. either. So and then Junior even has a comment like, uh, "It's not all it's cracked up to be." Um, <laughs> and yeah, I meant to pull the clip, but. Tony, that that line is in the pilot when Tony first talks to Melfi and yeah. he introduces Junior and he says, you know, but he once told the girl cousins <laughs> that I never had the makings of a varsity athlete. It was very hurtful. Uh, and it's uh, such a great thing to pull and focus on here because it's, it's kind of funny, but then it's also really sad. And again, we're seeing Tony uh, being sensitive again to like, criticism or just you know words in general and i guess it also ties into tony uh not being therapy tony uh but he's not passing out but he's just having these you know weird outbursts i guess not that weird but you know he's kind of going overboard yeah so uh we get paulie going to see the landscaper and uh yeah so Polly sort of explains, hey, it's going to be okay. I'm going to sort this out. You're just going to have to kick up a few points to me, you know, because he's also like, ah, oh, maybe there's a business in this stuff now. Yeah. Huh? this is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, he's going to, you know, help sell Vitro here. Uh, then he goes to see Feech. And he even has a – I like that he throws in the comment when they say something like, oh, how's Tony? And then Polly's like, he should have stayed with Carmilla. But every time we've seen yeah. Polly talk to Tony about it, he's all pro Tony. So, you know, Polly's still talking out of both ends of his mouth. He's still being, you know, Polly, which is good. And yeah, like yeah, we c- mentioned, they have their little blow up here, I think. Yes, and not to criticize your earlier comment that, oh, it looks like an industrial place. For opening scene, he's sitting under a huge sign that says uh, Lamana Bakery. That's my <laughs> bad, yeah. Well, because I wasn't really paying attention, and then when I saw the ba- – I, I didn't put together the bakery thing, honestly, until yeah. at the end when he sees the bakery bag, and I was like, another Lamana co- company? <laughs> but my bad. Yes, <laughs> no problem. And uh, there's a slogan that says, our bread is Pamana from heaven. Well, I don't know what that means, Pamana. Well, e- either way, I'd like to think that the, it's not like this bakery has been around. Like he literally just started this bakery now that he got out of jail, just like he just started the Lamana landscaping. So at least I like to th- I like to believe that part of it. I don't know. That sign looks a bit rustic, but uh, no, you're, you're probably right. Uh, or maybe it was just running, earning money for him while he was away. Uh, yeah. uh, who knows? Uh, but yeah, they have a nice, it, it is, I can see where you're coming from because like the clock's all crooked on the wall and it looks kind of shitty and burned down, half like yeah. run down. Uh, there's some trophies in the window, like bowling trophies, I think. So I can see why you hate this character. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so we get to this big blowout essentially. So Polly comes in and I think he should know that this is not going to go great. He's like, that guy just lay off okay you know just do what i think you should do even if it was a small like it is a small thing but even so it's like i'm gonna show that i'm in control of what you do is that yeah. okay and it's not okay with this guy yeah yeah no and i mean i will give feach credit because what he says it like makes sense it's like he's just he's like well who is this guy to you oh you know he's a friend of my aunt and it's like that means that means nothing it means like shit uh and yeah, like his case makes complete sense, although he did beat up a man who was just minding his own business. But at least in the mob world, the mob side of things, it's not like it's a family member or a relative or something. Yeah, and it's really absurd because uh, no, 
I, I guess. No, I, I was guessing earlier, like, oh, his nephew gets a good deal out of it. And I he kind of does. But then he, like, everyone, it, this is bad for everyone. They're, they like maybe to pretend like, oh, but we're doing, like, a protection service or whatever. But it's so obviously bad for everyone who isn't them yeah. uh, that their squabbles seem very petty in, in light of that. Uh, but, of course, uh, that's what they do. So, uh, Janice and uh, Tony and uh, AJ. Uh, AJ are in a car, yeah. And uh, they're go- going to pick up the food for this Sunday dinner. And, uh, yeah, we get a bit of uh, background. She obviously had something to do with uh, with uh, Bobby coming in and asking for more money. Uh, but, you know, it's hard being a, uh, being a mom in today's day and age. And Bobby Jr. started wetting the bed again, which AJ gleefully <laughs> yes. notes. Yeah. <laughs> Before it gets boring and he puts on his uh, headphones. Um, and they arrive and, and pick up the food there. And we get a, a lovely scene with Artie and uh, Tony. This is obviously what made you cry, right? No, no. It was close, though. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Tony goes, kind of makes amends with Artie. It is a nice scene, but it also is kind of like, Artie, don't do it. Like, you're going to get yeah. sucked into Tony's black hole. Like, you're kind of doing the right thing. Although it's not like it's done anything well for him. What he said is his, his uncle took back the house and he's mm-hmm. maybe moving in with his cousin. Like, he's doing really shitty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought, like, <laughs> they're they're always, like, either love each other or hate each other, Artie and Tony. They're never like, oh, hey, there's Artie. It's always like... The fuck you, fucking, shoot you with a gun, and then, and then it's like, oh, uh, I, he's my brother. We, we're gonna live together now. It was like, what an odd couple. What a sitcom waiting to happen. The two of them sharing a house. And I thought, like, oh, great offer. Like, you can thank him for the offer, but maybe don't move in with the most notorious mob boss in the country, but or state at least. Um, and it's all beautiful. And then on the way out, Tony's like, hey, you know the linens and stuff. I can think I can get you save you some money on that. And he's like, oh. Oh, yeah, cool. And then Tony leaves, and I think he has a moment of, I don't yeah. know what's in his eyes exactly, but he's like, wait, what did I just agree to? What just I, happened? <laughs> I think he has that, just that, it's the same moment he had when he was in the hospital, and he's like, put it all together that Tony kind of, um, you know, saw one of these paths that it could go on and knew it would work out for him. And yet again, it wasn't this thing of like, we've been friends forever, let's water under the bridge. I think... It's not that Tony is against that. Tony does think that, but it didn't come to him until maybe he could get something personal out of it. So, and I think Artie sees that, but he sees that, but still goes to live with him as we see later on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we're at this uh, Sunday dinner at, uh, it's at Junior's place. And um, yeah, they're watching a very boring show. And then, uh, Junior is asking Janice about when are they going to be here? Where's the entrees? Where's and he keeps repeating stuff already. And we get into this scene uh, where it all boils up over the tipping point, so to speak, with Junior and the whole varsity thing. It's clear since we've seen it all progress that he doesn't know what he's doing. But yeah. to Tony, it's uh, it's really rough. And like we've said, he's pretty sensitive and even more so at the moment. No therapy for him. So yeah, he, he majorly blows up over it. And especially when it gets brought up again, finally, and he just marches out. And after this, he's like, oh, she's dead to me now uh, because he doesn't see this deterioration that we've seen. To yeah. him, it's like really malicious, but it's, it's not. Yeah, yeah. And... Um... It's interesting because throughout this, like leading up to this, Tony is 
you know, having fun with Janice, making comments of how she can't make the appetizers. They have to go pick up food. And I think he makes another crack at the dinner table. So it's all well and good for him to kind of make fun of people. But once a yeah. comment comes up about him, he's going to react. And, yeah, it's it's fun how it comes up because I think they're talking about AJ's football or something like at first. So since sports yeah. come up, it just, you know, pops in Junior's head. You know, he never had a makings of a varsity athlete. And then he said, you know, small hands was his problem. And then Janice laughs because he's like, oh, yeah, daddy used to always say that. So it's even tied a little bit more to to like his dad. They talked about how he had small hands and uh, they bring up the college, I think, because and as we know, he did a semester and a half. So he understands college as like an academic uh, theory. But, you know, it wasn't for him. And then, yeah, then Barb comes in, Tony's other sister, uh, who we don't see a lot. And it's like we we understand why, like why she would be kind of far away and away from all this shit. They come in, they bring yeah, up the reasonably. So, yeah, they bring up the Jets, which then sparks it again in Junior's head. And uh, this is basically a storm out. Uh, right. We're at a storm out Ooh. here. Hang on. Let me. I mean. You're so right. I know I, it does feel kind of diluted that we're counting stuff outside of therapy, but we have to because this is such a storm out. And it's but Tony. There have been other times when he, yeah, but I feel like he's left other times and we haven't counted it. But then sometimes we have. If we're gonna count anything outside of therapy, this one is definitely up on the board. Well, right? if we're gonna count, if he's gonna storm out of dinner, especially on the Sopranos when they have food, like food is such an important thing. I feel like that's yep. almost uh, on the level of therapy. Like Tony's not storming out of a dinner. Are you kidding? It is weird that uh, Carmilla's not at this dinner, right? I mean, thinking about it. Yeah, well, I don't think she was at the when they had one earlier in the season, like in the first episode either. This is like his thing. Like that's like mm, right. uh, yeah, I think that's why because I don't think Meadows there either. But in the first one, I think Meadow uh, picks yeah. up AJ and they go to a dinner that Janice uh, has uh, at Bobby's, I believe. Right. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Okay, we're counting this one. We're counting it. Get it up on the board. Count it. Fuck you. And he is at that level when he storms out. Like it is kind of like. Is. And, and I like that they all just kind of just keep eating because it's like it's almost normal at this point. Like, oh, Tony got, got mad again. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's my last Sunday family. dinner here. <laughs> such a family argument thing with the kids covering their ears, but they can't leave the table or like, yeah. Which uh, is, uh, it's, it's even it's, more perfect because like a scene or two beforehand, he's like, Janice, these, are, these dinners are important. Like. This Sunday yeah. family dinner, like he's stressing how important it is, and he's the first one that's like, "All right, enough of this, never again." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very true. So uh, we do move on to see. I mean, there's a quick scene with uh, with Paulie checking in that nothing's really happening with the landscaping thing, just to put some extra pressure on him to find a resolution. Um, well, and then we see the meeting. Oh, I was yep. just gonna say we do learn like it, Sal Vitro's story is even sadder. He had to fire like the Mexican guy that helped him, and he had to take his boy out of college to <laughs> to work for him now because he can't <laughs> afford it. True, true, true. Uh, right. So then we have a scene with Johnny Sack and Tony meeting up at night as they do, just to take a little stroll and talk about what's up in the world of mob. And uh, yeah. Tony t- tries to float this idea of power sharing, like, oh, it wasn't his idea, it was that other guy's idea. And maybe, like, again, I, there's, Tony's smart enough to see that Johnny Sack wouldn't approve of this, right? So what do you think? Well, I mean, I guess it's all kind of telling when Tony talks to Chris and he just says how, like, this could mm. be good for us, 
you know, we could pick up the scraps. So I guess it, I think he's throwing it out there as a possibility because maybe it'll work, but it's not that important if it doesn't work. It probably won't, but hey, maybe this will be a thing and it'll fix it. Everything will be good. But if it doesn't, again, Tony's main thing is maybe we, we're going to pick up some money on this or we're going to pick up some jobs because they're going to be too busy fighting each other. Yeah, and maybe the, the power sharing is even like because this other guy, he wants to retire and even maybe just introducing the idea that he should be involved kind of sets up a, it sort of divides and conquers things a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Like even if it doesn't work, maybe now in Johnny Sack's mind, it's like, what, this guy's throwing out ideas that he should be the boss too? And then his attention is divided between him and Carmine, but he kind of likes one of them and there's going to be all, all sorts of intrigue going on. I think the only motivation Tony has is is to like he wants to stay clean and and maybe yeah if they kill each other off he wants to not be on too bad terms with whoever ends up on top yeah uh but because he doesn't want to like take over but like he says he wants to like pick things up off the sides whatever um but anyway yeah this plan does not go well yeah and um, uh and johnny is right like it's kind of tony's fault uh yeah. because with that whole thing with carmine last season when they were having uh, the dispute over the money from the Esplanade, and Tony's the one that kind of brought little Carmine into the mix, and now he's a little bit more embedded uh, with things when Carmine does kick it, and now there's a power vacuum. When, when it, like I think Tony even says, like we all just assumed it would have been John, but now Carmine has, I guess, some sort of rights. It's like the Game of Thrones over here. Absolutely. Um, so, well, it's Game of Thrones. If if it had a scene where someone gets confused and wanders off for half an episode, which may have happened, I don't recall all the episodes, but that's what we get to next. Bobby comes home, finds that uh, yeah, Junior is missing. This other guy is not a good babysitter, and uh, yeah, he's he's driven off. Goes to this place looking for Johnny. Um, and yeah, this is like another level of, cause you remember when, when he went to the neighbors and asked for ice cream, yeah. uh, we were kind of like, or I was kind of like, I don't know if this is real or not, but it probably is. Who knows? We're like way beyond that at this point as he goes in and, and wants to see his dead brother. There's a lovely scene there with about like, what did I tell you about profit margin about selling this, uh, these candy bars or whatever. And, uh, junior just walks up in the middle of this situation where he doesn't really belong asking about Johnny Soprano. <laughs> Well, yeah, because it's you know, what do you say when they when they say they don't want some? It's like you don't want to help kids get off drugs, and it's like, hey, nobody yeah. want this uh, candy, and it's like you push harder. Uh, what did I tell you about profit margins? It's like very wire esque in a way, and uh, yeah, he's in his yeah. old neighborhood, and the neighborhood's changed. There's another old man that kind of speaks old man, I guess, and kind of can put together <laughs> yeah. what's going on here. Um, and yeah, then Junior's wandering around uh newark i guess uh and yeah it's 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 heartbreaking like sad stuff um and and again like i know i I mentioned it but like the way he plays these scenes it's great like you really buy it and there's almost like moments where there's clarity but then he's afraid because it's like well what's going i don't i can't control like my mind i don't know what's going on uh it's horrible Yeah. yeah There's there's other scenes in between, uh, but when he's like walking across the bridge and leaning on the handrail, and the way they tilt the camera is just great because it feels like he's in danger of falling off, 
uh, it felt like that even before cutting to that shot. But when they cut to that shot, it's like his mind is twisted and the camera is twisted and he looks like seasick out of place. His mind is not working right. Things are sideways. Uh, that was a fantastic shot, I thought. Um, and just in general, the way he looks with a, his like stubble and his big coat like walking around, uh, yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking, which again is very weird for a character that I wanted to die, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, yeah. <laughs> just a few seasons ago. So well done, The Sopranos. Yes, yeah. Um, and yeah, Bobby's trying to get help from Janice. And it is like we see kind of through this because Tony's still having a tantrum because uh, when when – I mean, we'll see it later when he finally tells Tony, but initially he's talking to Janice and he even says, like, I feel like I love Junior more than you do sometimes. And he probably does. Uh, He's the main person that does really care and is really, like, upset about what's happening here. Um, I I mean, Tony does care, but he's in, you know, he's dead to him mode uh, because he said that he, he said he didn't have the making of a varsity athlete. athlete. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. So uh, in between as well, we do see Polly, uh, much like uh, Feech pulling up on these landscapers. And now he, now the tables are turned and he decides to take a sh- shovel to this guy's head and uh, makes this guy fall out of the tree because he's there and now he wants points. And also this belongs to this guy and like it's clearly not going to work, but it's there to make a statement sort of thing. Which uh, and he, he drives off with the uh, lawnmower. <laughs> There's great. an old lady watching him kind of do that. I wasn't sure if that was his aunt or not in the background there. When he's uh, oh yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's just kind of like an old lady, just kind of taking it all in. Uh, it is great that when he pulls up, he's listening to Art of War on tape, and I think the line yeah. is even kind of like, "You should know when to fight and when not to fight." But yeah, he just yes. pulls up and they're like, get out of here, you know, get out of here, old man. And yeah, he whacks the guy in the back of the head with a shovel, pulls the guy out of the tree, steals the lawnmower. Uh, more people, although I guess the Lamana people, I feel like would be more connected. But again, like a common theme is just more people that get hurt because they're caught up in the crosshairs of these mobsters. Yep, Absolutely. Um, so Tony and Christopher are going to a dinner. Tony tells Christopher to shut the fuck up. And this is where you're reminded of like, yeah, Christopher is still kind of a dumbass. Like yeah. last episode with that girl, Tina flirting with him and like, a box. <laughs> and, uh, here he's like, he thinks he know he's all clever, but he doesn't even realize what's going on. So afterwards, Tony has to lay it out to him. Like, look, you don't even get what we want out of this. Let me l- explain some shit to you. But yeah, he goes into that dinner. Like, well, maybe if you did it like this uh, or like that. I don't yeah. remember what he says, but he really fucks it up. It's some, Johnny I mean, Sack is such a fucking explosive dumb yeah. character at this point, yeah. and Christopher doesn't see that at all. It's somewhat innocuous what he says, but it also is like, Tony told you to shut, like not say anything. Because, yeah, uh, Johnny's telling a story about how, oh, he, he handled um, Little Carmine's bachelor party, lesbians whores really disgusting shit he's like (laughs) you know he calls it disgusting and it's like and then chris at first is like oh i didn't know you guys went so far back and then even tony's like you know can you pass the fucking whatever like trying to be like okay that's it shut up and then chris has to be like you know oh man it's just a shame you guys can't just like work it out and yeah carmine what i'm not carmine uh johnny you know, I remember you used to sit in the car, and as far as I'm concerned, you still should be sitting in the car. Like, his his outbursts, I appreciate more than Feech's for some reason. Even though he is yeah. becoming that character, 
uh, I don't know. I enjoy his performance a bit more. That's why I use the the line at the top of the show because when this episode started, I even when Tony first brought up the idea, I was like, oh yeah, what about that line when he's like, what is this the fucking UN now? <laughs> what about Carmen? Yeah. Is he gonna fuck her for a million? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them. Yeah, and in this one, as far as I'm concerned, you should still be there. There's a lot of that yeah. stuff. And then, and then everybody's got a goddamn opinion yeah. as he stands up and, and kind of storms out of there. I mean, it's not a storm out, but he does storm out of there. Yeah. It's funny as well. Like you said, Tony's like, uh, give me a piece of bread there. Yeah. And it, Christopher doesn't reply. And then the other guy kind of tries to hand him the bread. And Tony just kind of looks at him like, you fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but, he, but Christopher is the real fucking idiot here, obviously. He doesn't get it. Um, and yeah, then he, he explains that divide and conquer, all that stuff we already yeah, mentioned. Yeah, could be good for the Soprano family. Uh, then we have Adriana with her handler again. And uh, this is where they finally tell us, you know, the relationship with Christopher and Tony because they explain like, oh, yeah, you know, it's not actually his nephew. Technically, he's like a second cousin, but he's Carmela's cousin. But uh, Dickie Maltesante, Chris's dad was like an uncle was like a uncle to him or like a father to him or something or other or brother I should say I'm sorry uh so yeah it's real italian goomba shit uh yeah and uh, her scribbling in that notebook is like me uh, in other episodes trying to keep track of who is who and how they're related like yeah. she's like I don't even know how these two main guys we're trying to uh catch here might be related or might not be related so I really relate to her scribbling all that down I think I got a clear understanding of it now kind of and they this is uh, I we mentioned the scene there um I guess uh, yeah, at the start of the episode where the information is delivered a bit clunky. This could have been the same thing, but uh, it didn't give me that same feeling, you know? Well, they I, they it, deliver all of this to us without too much of a... And know, it's weird because... Wor- I mean, it works either way because, yeah, this, uh, this she's an FBI agent. I guess she would kind of know this stuff, but it works, I think, too, because it's in season five and they're saying this, so it's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, I never really thought about it. And... It, and uh, it, like it's, I guess it's not as important to maybe paying something off later. It's just like a weird little detail. And I guess it kind of means that Tony and Carmilla are like distant cousins in a weird way as well, which is interesting, I guess. Yeah. Well, we all are, you know, yeah. if you go back far enough. Yeah. Uh, so yes. What do we have after this? I believe we have, uh, we have junior He's sitting on a bench. bench. Yeah. Yeah. And, Looking uh, at a big bottle in the sky, a water tower shaped like a, coke bottle or something yeah and these shots are really um i mean the shot of his face there i kind of had to screen cap it just because it was a really nicely put together shot and the tone of it's fantastic and how he's just staring straight ahead and the way it's cut and then a homeless lady comes up and hits on him so that's fun as well yeah and i kind of read it too as like another like you know um a lot of like in america anyways like that's how people end up homeless because there's someone like junior and they wander away and then it's like there isn't someone to go find them or there isn't somewhere to go uh so yeah it kind of just she offers him sex in the car or something she wants to ride to the shelter cab ran over her Mm -hmm. foot uh yeah and he you know he's getting more upset because now he can't even remember where the car was uh he wanders off the police find him um and they bring him home. They don't believe he's Corrado Soprano at first. Uh, yeah. he, they see his ID. He does tell him to go shit in, shit in your hat. And I think, 
I think that's what Livia says to the cops as well when she's doing her thing. Like when um when uh she's that wandering right. she's wandering around the house when she first starts and we're like wondering if she's playing up uh her uh Alzheimer's or her dementia. And like uh, I think yeah. like AJ and Meadow find her and the cops come and she says, Go shit in your hat. So I think that's a nice little call out there. <laughs> oh, that's good, yeah. And they're kind of like I, I guess they're like what a, what a because there are a lot of homeless people in New York I would imagine and uh, what do the cops do if they see someone wandering around like what are they actually trying to do about this guy are they trying to get him to a shelter or like what's the what's the big idea from their side do you think that's the only thing I wasn't sure because if they're not quite I mean I guess he's saying he's Karata Soprano maybe they think he might be so they bring him to what they think. Corrado Soprano's house would be, but that's the only thing because they're still very skeptical. But they do verify it. I assume normally, yeah, they would pick someone up and either bring him to a shelter, or I think the reason why they pick him up is because he's got like kind of even though he's got like clean clothes on, even though he looks crazy and probably homeless, but he's wearing like uh, slippers and like a robe, so it kind of stands out a yeah. little bit more than your run of the mill like just like bag lady or homeless man. So, yeah, yeah. So, and then he is kind of uh, slightly confrontational, but uh, they they're not arresting him as such. Although I am kind of worried, obviously, watching this because uh, as Bobby's laid out, uh, you know, he's got parole or whatever, or he's out on bail. I don't know. He's not supposed to leave the house. Uh, are they going to take into account that he didn't do this intentionally? But then he's faked a lot of stuff before. Are they going to get this as like, oh yeah, now we're going to put him away all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah. And if so, would that be a bad thing at this point? Who even knows? Uh, but yeah, they do bring him home. Uh, Bobby runs to get the ID. They show the cops the ID. And again, I was like, don't show him the ID. Don't. <laughs> like maybe it was someone else. Uh, but yeah, it's him. And uh, they leave for now. But there's going to be some report about him wandering around uh, for sure. And like you said, he's defensive as well about like, oh, can I go for a walk without huh. like get getting some, the fifth degree? Yeah, get some uh, exercise. Kind of yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, yes, uh, this uh, brings us to I the think, big family meeting. Yep. Yeah, Janice and Bobby go to see Tony, and Artie has a fun like. He shows up. He's got food. Like, hey, it's still warm. And it's like, this is a family meeting. He's like, ah, I'm not even here. Um, and yeah, Tony's still pouting. Uh, you know, he's fucking dead to me. You reap what you sow. Uh, and it's a real big blow up with Tony and Janice where it gets physical. Uh, and what he brings up. Um, I mean, and I understand like Tony has, of course, this bitterness and anger towards his sister because like he says, he feels like she kind of abandoned him and left him with mm-hmm. their crazy mother uh, while she was out being a hippie and blowing roadies. And then, of course, Bobby's like, roadies? <laughs> blowing roadies? <laughs> not even guitar? Not even the bassist? Yeah. You couldn't get the bassist, Janice? Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, sh- he's there like saying that like you said, he, she has always run away and he was left with their insane mother trying to placate her and, and everything. And uh, what is it that actually makes it blow into physical uh, conflict? I mean, he's saying that there was this bullshit and, and um, you know, the roadies and acid. And where do we go from there? Uh, uh, yeah, because, I mean, she hits him first uh, and then he, like, grabs her and, like, they have to kind of break it up. And then Artie gets hit, of course, because... <laughs> That, that's Artie. Uh, but yeah, well, yeah, because he's there. 
Yeah, what is like the specific line? Oh, it's he he goes into like, oh, you're gonna do the this man what you do to every oh, one of them. Yes, and uh, what, when like like what our mo- mother did to our father, like you're just like your mother. Uh, yeah, and I mean it's yeah. it's like it's usually I'm not on Janice's side, but yeah. I mean Janice is just saying like they have to help their uncle because there's obviously something really going on, but Tony's just stuck in his you know, his hurt mode and his tantrum that he's being like a piece of shit about it. Yep, exactly. Um, so it, it is a good scene. Like you said, imagine um, imagine moving in with like your best friend and the first day you're there, you're like, hey, I cooked food forever. Yeah. Do you want? And then like you, you, there's a big family fight and like you get a, an elbow in the face and it's like, this isn't even the worst thing that happened in this house. A guy died right over there already. Are you sure you want to live here? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as far as he's concerned, that guy ran away to the witness protection, so... Uh, yeah, a lot of people in witness protection these days. So uh, we get to a sort of sit down with um, with Tony and Polly and Feach, and uh, you know they got to decide what to do about these points and all of that. And Tony makes a ruling like, "Hey, we'll split it, and everyone gives me a piece. How about that? That sounds good, right? Yeah, and give him some money for the arm. Who gives a shit? Make this go away." Yeah, uh, give him five hundred for the arm. Well, I told him twelve hundred T. All right, make it a thousand. He does give him five hundred bucks, as we see later on. Polly pockets half of that money. Uh, I love Polly's yeah. defense when features like you know he knocked, he hit a guy with a shovel and knocked him out of the tree, and then Polly's like he jumped out of the tree. <laughs> he tried to attack came me. Came out with the, yeah, came out with a motorcycle, uh, motorcycle with, <laughs> with a chainsaw, with a chainsaw. Yeah. And Jesus. Tony, I mean, Tony does rightfully point out, like, this is the first I'm hearing of this. And then Feech is like, oh, what? You know, I didn't want to start kicking up till I knew it was like a profitable venture or something or other. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, they, they decide to just split it down the middle. Uh, then Paula gets to go give Salvitro the good news. Also, he gets to uh, do some uh, lawns for free. Uh, including Tony's, and as we see, uh, Johnny Sachs' lawn also is getting done for free. His nice, huge lawn. Yeah, which is great because uh, Tony did say, "Like, now I have to do something nice for him. I don't even know what he like wants or likes, <laughs> yeah. but he's always been like complaining about the landscaping of the house. And <laughs> yeah. why do we have this big fucking yard? It's so expensive. <laughs> so it's actually a nice thing uh, for him to comp out." Um, but yes, before we see that, we do see Tony just happening to run into. Uh, his mother's neurologist, who is also uh, Junior's neurologist, and he gets a sense that, oh yeah, these uh, strokes and all that were probably like this. He figures out that this shit's for real uh, from from what he's hearing. So, so that motivates him to head on over. And uh, yeah, is this the scene? Yeah. Well, yeah. I was just gonna say first, uh, it it just sounds horrifying because yeah, he's talking about how he's having mini strokes. Like yeah. that, that, that is horrifying. But yes, this scene here at the end, it's, it's one of my favorite Soprano scenes in the whole series. Um, and it's just like the way it's acted, the way it's played out there. Uh, cause junior, even when Tony, Tony's coming to kind of make amends, Junior's not even acting like they're on the outs. Cause he's not even like fully aware, uh, yeah. what's going on. He's watching something about like prairie dogs or something like that. And, you know, they sit down. There's kind of that like awkward silence. Tony doesn't know how to kind of bring up like how hurtful um, he is to him. But and like there's like yeah. that quick thing with the Feech. Uh, he sees that Feech came by. So I like this underlying thing with Feech. At least like Tony keeps noticing that he's always like kind of around. 
and mm-hmm. it's even clear like we got a quick little preview in this episode how features like all the boy kings so we're getting a sense that he doesn't quite fully respect him as the boss but that's neither here nor there but just these yeah. two and like you pointed out like with season one junior and tony at each other's necks and like junior trying to kill tony and all that but now it's just these two guys that are family and they love each other but they don't really know how to say it to each other whether it be uh just because they're tough dudes or because junior is going through stuff in his head where he's confused and he can't admit that and doesn't know how to admit it or like kind of control his mind and then it just ends on that like don't you love me and it's like i'm like welling up almost thinking about it like it's so it's so great and it it, the way it's played out is so perfect like i i love this scene do you want to play part of it? Or uh, I could. Yeah. <laughs> Let me yeah. see. We here. should play part of it. But I'll just, while you pull it up, I'll talk about uh, as well. Like you mentioned, um, Feach was there. And then he, Junior can't retain a lot of stuff, but he manages to retain like, so what's this I hear about you ruling against Feach? Because that's how Feach felt in the previous scene. So he goes to Junior. And now I think Feach is... Uh, maybe on the level enough to figure out that something's not quite a hundred percent there with junior, but mm. then he sees, would see that the same way that, you know, Tony wouldn't mind if little Carmine became boss of New York. Cause then he would have an easier time manipulating stuff. So for feature it would be great if there was just one Sopranos boss again, um, that would be fantastic. And uh, yeah, I also felt quite a lot in this scene, having had family who also, you know, Everyone everyone goes down a similar route sooner or later and yeah. start forgetting stuff. And it's like the uh, the doctor says as well. Like, uh, unfortunately, obstinacy is part of the you know process because people do tend to get more like stubborn and like well, you repeat a lot of stuff. And as Tony says, if you're gonna be repeating stuff, why can't it be the nice stuff? Uh, yeah. Don't you love me? Why why is it gotta be why is it gotta be the negative stuff? And the way that Junior looks at that. And he wants to say stuff, and there's stuff in his head, but he can't collect, connect it with his mouth, and doesn't he? He can't make it come out. It is kind of yeah, it's heartbreaking. Let me see. Let me pull it up here. Knowing what you were saying, what are you talking about? The varsity shit. What else did Feach have to say? Getting a new top on his convertible. Well, let's assume that you didn't know what you were saying, that... that you forget what you say shit over and over. Yeah. Why's it gotta be something mean? Why can't you repeat something good? There's the coyote. I mean, don't you love me? I mean, what what else can be said? I mean, the performance. Yeah. Ah, I'm getting choked up here. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, and and like 
even small things like the like nature documentary that they're cutting to with like a rabbit looking at the camera not understanding what's going on and the like synth music of it softly in the background which also brings us into the credits uh you know uh for for us going like oh feach she's a bit two-dimensional and oh this opening scene it's a bit clunky it's like still what an amazing episode <laughs> yeah yeah and the music um because yeah i guess it's what's sourced from what they're watching but and it's yeah this is weird synth but it's like so perfect and, and yeah. It, yeah it kind of goes into the end credits and just the fact that yeah he can't answer it and it's either because you know, like I feel like I feel like he does love Tony, but in that moment, whether it be because of his, what he's going through in his head, uh, or it's just because he can't express himself that way, it doesn't really matter. It's just you know, you could see it on his face that he wants to answer, but he can't. Yeah, uh, it's really good stuff. Um, that is episode three, and there's still quite a lot to go of uh, season five. And beyond that, I'm glad I, I still have to tell myself that season six is in two parts because it feels so weird that we're on the second to last season. Oh yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, it's it's uh it's good stuff. I don't have anything more to say on this episode, but if you do, please do send us an email to shows what you know show at gmail.com. You can of course also leave your thoughts in a review on iTunes, which we would very much appreciate. And uh, beyond that, there's jimandthem.com for everything Jim-related and awesomepedia.org for everything Jacob-related. Anything else, Jim? Well, you forgot one thing. Ah, what's that? Cut to black.